turn to uh, John chapter 19. If you have a Bible with you and you're uh, following along, of course, I'm sure that these verses will be on the screen as well. John chapter number 19, we're going to read verses 1 down to verse number 6. John 19 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers platted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you that, uh, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Verse number 5. Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. When the chief priests therefore and officers saw him, they cried out saying, Crucify him. Crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. Uh, the title of the message this evening is Messages from the Cross, is a, is a series that I have in, in my repertoire, and this particular message is entitled I Love You. Uh, we see several messages that God gives to us uh, from the cross of Calvary, and the very first one is I Love You you. Let's have a quick word of prayer and then we'll get into the message. Father in heaven, Lord, we love you this evening. And Lord, we pray that you would help us, Lord, to uh, take another look at Calvary. Lord, take another look at the suffering and the agony that you experience for us. And Lord, when we become uh, depressed, when we become dejected, when uh, this life throws curveballs at us and uh, we feel overwhelmed, Lord, help us to remember all that you have done for us. Help us, Lord, to not forget how good you have been to us, and Lord, all that you sacrificed on our behalf. We pray that you would bless the teaching and the preaching of your word tonight. Bless your people tonight, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, true love, true love always finds a way to express itself. True love uh, never just says, I love you. True love actually uh, does something to prove that love. And the cross of Calvary is God's greatest expression of love. It's God's greatest expression of love. Statistics uh, vary depending on where you get your information, uh, but I have researched and found that some 343 firefighters and 75 police officers died during the attacks on the World Trade Center in 2001. Uh, on September 11, 2001, Lieutenant Andy Desperito of New York's Engine 1 Truck 24 led his firemen into the Twin Towers shortly before the first tower collapsed. In the process of evacuating people and helping folks out of those burning buildings, an elderly lady uh, that was in distress uh, was discovered by Lieutenant Andy Desperito. <clears throat> uh, and so uh, Lieutenant Andy, as he was called, he ordered his company to get out of the building, and they all made it out, but he stayed behind to help this elderly woman, to help this lady make it to safety. And he did just that. Uh, Lieutenant Andy uh, was able to get the lady out of the building. Uh, she survived. However, he was never heard from again. He was 43 years old at the time. Uh, he left behind a wife and three children. Uh, and his fellow fireman, uh, Paul Bessler, said this. He said, when the building came down, uh, it was very selective in who it took. But we see an act of love, an act of sacrifice, an act of, 
of just wanting to be a blessing and a help to someone else at the expense of his own life. That's an expression of love. If you look at Calvary and you cannot see or you cannot feel or you cannot receive the expression that God the Son, the second person of the Godhead, was saying to you and to me, he was saying, I love you. Listen, if you don't see that uh, by way of the cross, I don't know what else will help you see it. You see, John 15 and verse number 13, the Bible says, Greater love hath no man than this, than a man laid down his life for his friends. You see, those men and those women that went to work that day on September 11, 2001, uh, they did not know that they were not going to return home from work that day. They did not know that they would not see their families anymore after that day. But we must remember that those people, those firefighters and those police officers and those folks that work in public service occupations, uh, they do what they do knowing that they are signing up to be willing to put their life in harm's way. Willing to put their life in jeopardy. Now, the same is true we can speak of when we speak of the military. I don't know if I'm supposed to switch myself or what. Uh, so I'm just going to, y'all bear with me, all right? Pastor's got this down, all right? Uh, he's been doing it for several weeks, so this is my first time. Uh, and so, uh, of course, the military folks, they sign up. They sign their name uh, on the uh, proverbial dotted line, as they say. And uh, they're saying, hey, I'm willing to. Uh, I'm willing to. Now, we know that there are people that do it only for the money. Uh, we know that there are people that do it only for the benefits. But nonetheless, there are many folks that do it with a sincere and a genuine love for others. A sincere and genuine desire to be a blessing to others. 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 16, the Bible says, Hereby perceive we the love of God. This is how we see. This is how we can tell. This is how you and I uh, can understand the love of God because He laid down His life for us. I don't know about you, but I remember the first time I heard the gospel presentation. I remember the first time I heard that God the Son, the second person of the Godhead, came to earth. He fleshed himself in human flesh, and robed himself in human flesh. Uh, and he became a, a person, a human. He, he was born of a virgin. Uh, he was subject unto earthly parents. Uh, he grew in wisdom and in stature uh, and in favor with God and man. He was rejected by his family. And eventually, he laid down his life. For my sake. He died for my sins. I was overwhelmed. I was taken aback. I couldn't believe it. I, I thought, how can God Almighty care that much for little old insignificant me? How is this possible? True love always displays that love. Uh, the Lord Jesus didn't have to die on the cross. As a matter of fact, he said, uh, no man taketh my life from me. I, I lay it down of myself. He gave his life. Uh, he willingly sacrificed himself. He chose to do that for you and for me. You see, true love always expresses itself. True love does, doesn't just say I love you. True love does something to prove it. Uh, there's two points that I want to mention to you this evening, and hopefully some of you, if not all of you that are watching tonight, uh, you receive the bulletin uh, in the mail from the church. It has the outline on the back. Uh, feel free to follow along uh, with us, if you will. Two ways that the Lord says, I love you from the cross. Number one, number one, he endured the contradiction of sinners. He endured the contradiction of sinners. Now, we're going to be in John chapter 19 for the majority of the time. Uh, and so hold your place there uh, and, and follow along with us, if you will. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 3, the Bible says, For consider him 
Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. He endured. He suffered. He, he went through all kinds of contradictory type events in his life. He did that for you. He did that for me. Uh, he was rejected by his own people. Uh, he was rejected. Uh, letter A, uh, he, he endured the contradiction of sinners. Letter A, because he was rejected. Uh, they rejected him. Uh, listen, he wasn't just rejected, as the Bible teaches, by his own siblings, uh, many of which who did not believe on him. Uh, he was also rejected uh, by many others, as we'll see. Look at John chapter 18, if you will. Chapter 18 and verse number 38. Uh, his own people, his own countrymen, uh, his, his, his nation rejected him. Verse 38 of John chapter 18. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews. Unto the Jews. The Lord Jesus Christ was a Jew. The Lord Jesus Christ was born as a, in the Jewish nation. Uh, these were his countrymen. Uh, these were his fellow Jewish people. Uh, he went out again unto the Jews and saith unto them, I find no fault at all. I find in him, rather, no fault at all. Verse 39 of John 18. But ye have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? The king of the Jews? Uh, again, uh, he went to the Jews. Uh, he's called the king of the Jews. He's a Jewish earthly man. Verse 40. Then cried they all again. The Jews said, the Jews cried out, the Jews shouted, the Jews said, saying, not this man, but Barabbas. Don't give us Jesus. We don't want him. We reject him. Give us Barabbas. Now, Barabbas, verse 40 says, was a robber. Barabbas was a thief. Barabbas, uh, he deserved to be uh, condemned. The Lord Jesus Christ did not. But the Jews said, we don't want him. The Jews said, we reject him. Uh, turn back to John 19. John chapter 19, look at verse number 4. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. When the chief priests therefore and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. Uh, you see him being rejected here by uh, the Jews, the, his, his uh, countrymen. They're rejecting him. Uh, not only was he rejected by the Jews, he was also rejected by the political rulers of the time. Uh, in Luke chapter number 20, uh, chapter 23, uh, it's a parallel passage. Uh, it says in verse 11, and Herod, now Herod, when it's talking about Herod here, in Luke chapter number 23, verse number 11, uh, this is Herod the Tetrarch. He's the governor of Galilee. Uh, he's the one who beheaded John the Baptist. He's the one whom the Lord Jesus Christ called that fox. Uh, this is that Herod, uh, Herod Antipas. And so uh, it says, and Herod, with his men of war, set him at naught set him at naught and mocked him and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him again to Pilate. 
Uh, so we see Herod rejecting him. We see uh, Pilate who says, hey, I, I heard that uh, he's a Galilean. I heard that he's from Galilee, so I'm going to send him to Herod uh, because uh, uh, Pilate was the governor of Judea. He says, I'm going to send him to Herod. He's in Herod's jurisdiction. Let Herod d- deal with this. So the Jews rejected him. Pilate rejected him. We see Herod here rejected him, and he goes back to Pilate uh, as Herod says, no, I don't want to deal with this. You deal with it. Uh, John 19, look at verse 1. Verse 1 says, Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. Now, we have to understand, uh, the Bible here says uh, a very almost flippant uh, phrase here, and scourged him. That scourging, we'll see here in a minute, that scourging is way more than just, you know, it's just more than a a scuff on the knee. Uh, It's more than, you know, a cut on a finger. I mean, this scourging is intense. Uh, this, this phrase, and scourge him, does not tell us all of the details that happen in a, a Roman scourging. Uh, look at John chapter 19 and verse number 9. Verse number 9, the Bible says, And went again into the judgment hall, and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee, and have power to release thee? Uh, again, he's saying, don't you know who I am? Uh, I, can, I can crucify you, or uh, at my word, I can release you, or at my word, you can die. Uh, I have power over you, is what Pilate is saying. Uh, you're no, no one important to me. I can do whatever I want with you. Uh, again, Pilate d- doesn't respect him. Pilate doesn't uh, esteem him. Uh, he's rejected by Pilate. He's rejected by the Jews. He's rejected by Herod. Uh, also, the religious leaders rejected him. The religious leaders. Look at John chapter 19 and verse number 6. The Bible says, when the chief priests, the chief priests, now there's the chief priests of the Jews, when the chief priests, heard, uh, therefore, and officers saw him, they cried out saying, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. Now, now you must understand, uh, if you've studied the Bible at all, you know that the Lord Jesus Christ went through in what is normally referred to as the passion, the passion of the Lord Jesus Christ. He went through, uh, at the very least, five, somewhere, five or six illegal trials. He was taken, when he was captured in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was taken uh, to Annas, Annas who used to be, Annas who's the former high priest, It was at least 15 years ago that he was the high priest, but he was esteemed, he was respected, that he was taken to Annas. Uh, and, and, and in front, before Annas, again, this was done in Annas's house. This was done in the cover of night. Uh, this was done illegally. Uh, he was taken to Annas and he was rejected. He was condemned. Uh, then after he was uh, taken to Annas, who was the former high priest, then he was taken to Caiaphas, who was the current high priest. Uh, and again, there, uh, he's rejected. Again, there, he's condemned. Uh, and then after that, he's taken to the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin being the 70 men uh, who were the ruling body over the Jews. And, uh, and there, again, he's condemned of blasphemy uh, and, and false uh, and, 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 and illegal trial after illegal trial after illegal trial. Eventually, uh, he goes to, to Pilate. Then he goes to Herod. Then he goes back to Pilate. Every single time, rejected. Every single time, condemned. Uh, And in the process of all that happening, uh, he's being punched. Uh, He's being mocked. He's being jeered. Uh, He's being attacked. Uh, He's being abused. He's being taken advantage of. He endured the contradiction of sinners. Uh, He endured the rejection of sinners. Listen, this is God the Creator being rejected by His creatures. 
His creation. This is the one who is, and listen, with every rejection, uh, with every condemnation, uh, with every punch, with every, and we'll see, uh, spit that was uh, gone, uh, uh, spit his way, each and every time he's saying, I love you. I love you. I love you. That's what he's saying each and every time. Uh, we see he, he endured the contradiction of sinners. They rejected him, let it be. They ridiculed him. They ridiculed him. And by the way, if you're watching tonight and if you've ever felt rejected, you've ever been rejected, uh, then the Lord can empathize with you. The Lord understands what you're going through. I, I don't know which camera to look at, so y'all just bear with me, okay? Uh, I know Joe's over there flipping and flopping. We'll, we'll do the best we can. Uh, pastor's got this down a lot better than I do. Anyway, uh, is that he was ridiculed. He was ridiculed. He was rejected. Look at John 19, verse number 2. Verse number 2. And the soldiers platted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe, and they said mockingly, they said jeeringly, they said ridiculing, they said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote him with their hands. They smacked him, they beat him, uh, they put that crown of thorns uh, that they put together. Uh, they say the Jerusalem thorns are three to four inches long, uh, and they placed that crown uh, on his head, and they placed it in there, and the thorns went in between his skin and his skull, uh, and then they put this mocking robe on him and said, Hail, King of the Jews, and beat him and slapped him. Uh, and with every blow, the Lord Jesus Christ is saying, I love you. I love you. Uh, Mark chapter 14, parallel passage in verse 65. Uh, and some began to spit on him and to cover his face and to buffet him uh, and to say on, uh, unto him, prophesy. Uh, and the servants did strike him with the palms of their hands. Uh, listen, they struck him. They covered his face. They beat him. They spit on him. They, they said, hey, uh, prophesy who it was that hit you, mocking him, ridiculing him with every blow, with every jeer. The Lord Jesus Christ was saying, not only to those soldiers, but to you and to I, he's saying, I love you. I love you. Uh, Luke 23, verse 11, we saw it earlier. And Herod with his men of war said him at naught and mocked him and mocked him. Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 6, the Bible says, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheek, uh, my cheeks rather to them that plucked off the hair. It goes on to say, I hid not my face from shame and spitting. Listen, this is a, a prophecy about the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he was spit on. He was punched on. He was slapped on. He was made fun of. He was ridiculed. He was rejected. Listen, in each blow, uh, each attack, he's saying, I love you. I love you. Actor Cary Grant uh, was famous in the 40s and 50s, and uh, he told once how he was walking along a street, and he met a man whose eyes locked onto him uh, with excitement. He saw this guy, and he knew he was famous, and, and he said to him, he said to the man, he says, uh, yeah, "Wait a minute, your, uh, your, uh, your, I, I know who you are. Don't tell me your, your rock. Huh? No, 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 no. Your, your." And Cary Grant started to realize this guy's struggling. He doesn't, he doesn't get it. He's going to help him out. So he finished the man's sentence as the man was saying, "Your," Cary Grant said, "Cary Grant." And the guy said, uh, no, 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 that's not it. Your, 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 here's Cary Grant himself telling this man who he is, and the guy doesn't recognize him. The guy doesn't know who he truly is. 
Now here's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the second person of the Trinity, God in the flesh. The, the whole time He's come to earth, He has said, I, I and my Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Uh, he said, before Abraham was, I am, claiming to be uh, Jehovah of the Old Testament. He said, I am God, and yet they didn't recognize Him. They didn't know it. He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. They rejected him, they ridiculed him, they made fun of him, they did not want him. Listen, with all that rejection, with all that uh, jeering and mocking and all of those things, the Lord Jesus Christ is still, was still saying to them and is still saying to us as we look back, I love you. I love you. You know what the Lord Jesus Christ says to you and to me when we reject his leadership, when we reject his lordship, when He, by way of uh, His Spirit, He leads us to, to pray or to read or to witness or to uh, serve in some capacity and we disobey, you know what He's saying to us? I love you. I still love you. The, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 15 and 16, Can a man, excuse me, can a woman rather, forget her sucking child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands, God says. I love you so much, I care about you so much, that I put your name, I place you in the palm of my hand. That's how important you are to me. He endured the contradiction of sinners. Uh, the second thing that I see at the cross of Calvary, number two, is he suffered the crucifixion of the Romans. He suffered the crucifixion of the Romans. And we understand this, obviously, uh, Easter, the resurrection just having passed, and, and we understand all that he went through, uh, but we need to be reminded of how much he went through. How much He loves us. The, the magnitude of God's love for us is displayed on the cross. God's greatest expression of love was on Calvary. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 14, another prophecy about the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, and as, as many were astonished at thee, it says his visage, uh, the way he looked, his appearance, his visage was so marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. You see, he suffered the crucifixion of the Romans. He suffered, we see letter A under point number two, we see the place. The place. In John chapter 19, verse number 16, uh, look at the place. That place called Golgotha, that place called uh, uh, Calvary, uh, verse 16 of John 19 says, Then delivered he them, him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha. Now, there's two theories. Two theories uh, that I've seen in my study uh, as to why this place is called the place of the skull. Uh, we don't know which one is true for sure, if either one of them are true. Uh, the first theory is that the shape of the mountain resembles a human skull. If you look at it from a distance, it looks like it may appear to be, and I don't know myself, I've, I've seen pictures, I've not been there, uh, but they say it could resemble a human skull. The second theory is that it was a common place, obviously, of executions, uh, uh, crucifixions, and so many people had been killed there. Uh, there were many skeletons, including skulls, scattered throughout the area, and so this is called the place 
of a skull. Uh, Golgotha, that's the place. Let's look at letter B. Letter B. Uh, we see the place, the crucifixion, the place. We see letter B, the process. The process. Look at John chapter 19. Look at verse number 17. And he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, verse 18, where they crucified him. Where they crucified him. And two other with him on either side, one, and Jesus in the midst. Uh, and, and we have to be careful that we don't just blow by these phrases in Scripture. That we don't just, you know, overlook them and say, oh, well, he was crucified. Listen, we have to understand, uh, he's gone from illegal trial to illegal trial to illegal trial, uh, punching, spitting, beard pulling, uh, uh, being attacked, being slapped. Uh, the crown of thorns, uh, where those thorns, those Jerusalem long, two, three to four inch long thorns going in between his skin and his scalp. Uh, and, and, and this crucifixion, before the crucifixion, we talked about it earlier, uh, Pilate uh, had him scourged, scourged. Uh, that scourging, the scourging itself almost killed the victims, usually. Uh, that scourging was done uh, by a man called a lictor. Uh, he, he would hold a, a, a flagellum, a, a, this, this object, this piece of wood that was about 16 to 18 inches long. They would have straps on the end of it. And on those straps would be embedded rock and glass and, and sharp objects. And, and they, would take, <clears throat> they would take the victim, uh, in this case the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, his wrists and his ankles would be shackled to four rings uh, over this uh, little low stump or post. And uh, he would be tied there. And, and that lictor, he would take that flagellum, he would take that cat of nine tails as we refer to it, and he would strike the victim where the... the, the the glass and the rock and the sharp objects would embed into the skin and he'd rip away tearing flesh. He would rip away and he would whip some more and rip away tearing more flesh. That's why the Bible says his visage was so marred more than any other man. He was so brutally beaten that he almost was not recognizable. The Lord Jesus Christ, with every lashing, uh, with every uh, attack on his body, he was saying, he was saying, listen to me now, he was saying, I love you. I love you. With every single one. Uh, and, and after that, and, uh, the, as a matter of fact, uh, I've read that the Romans, they had perfected, perfected the art of, of punishment, the art of torture, uh, the art of killing a human being by way of crucifixion. Uh, they would want to inflict as much pain as possible. Uh, usually people would, would pass out uh, from the pain and the agony that they were experiencing, the blood loss that they were experiencing. Uh, and so this, this in, in, in that case, they would take, after the, after the victim would pass out, they would take a bucket of salt water... After this person's back has been ripped to shreds, uh, it's been destroyed. They take and they pour that bucket of salt water. Can you imagine the pain and the agony? Uh, for me, for us, just a small little cut on our finger and we get some, uh, some maybe alcohol or something in it. Man, it's painful. It hurts. Uh, it's acute. Can you imagine your back being ripped to shreds? This is what they did with every blow. With every attack, he's saying, I love you. I love you. You see, after the scourging, then uh, they would take, if the, if the victim survived the scourging, after that they would take uh, the, the crossbeam and, and they would force the victim to, to carry, uh, if they even had enough strength, to carry that crossbeam to the place of the skull, to Golgotha. And that's what they did with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that he, he collapsed under the weight. Uh, he was so weak. Uh, his body was so beaten. Uh, he collapsed. Uh, of course, they had someone help him to carry the cross. Then they would take him up to that hill. 
They would lie the person down. Uh, they would have a, a, an upright beam. They would take that cross beam, put it across, and of course they would take those nails and drive them into the person's hands. And then drive them into the person's feet. And then they would take that, that cross after that person was attached to the cross and they would drag it over to this hole in the ground and they would shove it into that hole and let it drop as the person is attached to the cross on those nails. With every blow, the Lord is saying, I love you. I love you. As a matter of fact, the Romans had perfected this crucifixion process so much that they knew that the way that the person was on the cross, that their arms were extended in such a way that it was difficult for them, because of the expansion of their chest muscles, it was difficult for them to breathe, to, 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 uh, to exhale. Uh, and so, uh, in, order, in, order, in order for them to be able to exhale and inhale properly, uh, they had to literally lift themselves up and push themselves as their feet are shoving down on the, that nail, as their, their hands are attached to their and pulling up on those nails... And so they knew that if they, they, if they nailed the feet too close, too further down, the person wouldn't be able to push up and inhale and exhale. And so they would push them up a little higher, uh, even put a little stump or post uh, on their pelvic so they, can, so they can help themselves up so they can continue to breathe and continue to stay alive in agony as long as possible. Now think about this. The Lord Jesus Christ, his back has been ripped to shreds. Uh, he's been forced to carry that, that lumber, that piece of wood, to Golgotha. And now he's forced to pull himself up and, and basically rub his torn flesh, uh, open wound back on that wood and push and pull on those spikes, those nails. I, I've read that a human can only speak as he exhales. Uh, we can't speak when we inhale. Uh, and so uh, as the person is trying to uh, inhale uh, and say a few words, listen, it was excruciating. Uh, it was uh, extremely painful uh, for them to even speak any words. The Lord Jesus Christ said seven statements while he was on the cross. And listen, every single one of them was excruciating and was painful for him. But by way of those statements, he was saying, I love you. I love you. The Lord Jesus Christ went through unimaginable torture and pain in that process. Uh, we see the crucifixion. We see the place. We see the process. Uh, and then lastly, letter C, we see the purpose. The purpose for the crucifixion. Why he went through this. Listen, John 19. Look at it. Verse number 25. John 19, verse 25. Uh, he did this for you. He did this for me. He did this for the entire world. Verse 25. The Bible says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, talking about John, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. What's he doing here? The Lord Jesus Christ, it says in the rest of the verse, and from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. Uh, what's he saying to Mary? He's saying, Mary, now, for those of you that study the Scriptures, you know uh, that from the time that uh, the Lord Jesus was 12 years old, uh, in the temple, when uh, he stayed at the temple and Joseph and Mary left, three days later they had to come back and find him. Uh, th from that time on in Scripture, you never hear the name of Joseph. Not one time. 
Uh, you never hear him mentioned again. Uh, nowhere is he ever heard from again. Uh, I think, I propose to you that Joseph is gone. He's passed off the scene. He's nowhere to be found. The Lord Jesus is saying, I'm going to die. I'm the one that cares for Mary. Uh, John, I need you to care for her because I love her. Care for her. I'm going to be gone. Uh, apparently, Joseph is nowhere to be found. And so now I need someone to care for my mother. He's saying, I love her. Care for her. Uh, in Luke chapter number 23, verse 42 and 43. Uh, and he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, now this is the thief on the cross that believed in the Lord. Uh, he says, verily I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. What's he saying to that thief on the cross? Same thing he said to his mother Mary. I love you. I love you. Same thing he says to you and me. I love you. Same exact thing. Uh, he cared for those who were actually doing the crucifying. He prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know what he's saying to those Roman soldiers? You know what he's saying to that lictor who, who ripped open his back? You know what he's saying to those who punched them and spit on them? He's saying to them, I love you. The Lord Jesus Christ is trying to tell you and I tonight, I love you. I love you. I don't know about you, but I know that it's a, it's a difficult thing for most men to be able to mouth the words, I love you. Man, it's important for people to hear that. If you have people in your life that, that you care for and that you love in your heart, make sure they know it. Make sure you, you say it. Uh, make sure you're not afraid. Uh, make sure you tell them. But don't just tell them, also also show them that you love them. The Lord Jesus Christ cares for you. He cares for me. I end with this illustration. Jason Tusks was a 17-year-old high school honor student. He was close to his mother. He was close to his wheelchair-bound father. And he was close to his younger brother. Jason was an expert swimmer. Uh, he loved to scuba dive. He left his home on a Tuesday morning to explore a spring in an underwater cave near his home uh, in West Central Florida. His plan was to be home uh, by dinner to, to have a, that, uh, a meal with his family that night. And Jason, however, unfortunately got lost while he was scuba diving inside this cave underwater. Then in his panic, he got wedged into a narrow passageway. He was stuck. He could not get out. When he realized that he was trapped and there was no way of escape, he took off his yellow metal air tank and he pulled out his diver's knife. And uh, with the tank as the tablet and his knife as the pen, he wrote one last message to his mom, to his dad, and to his brother. What Jason Tusks wrote on that tank with that knife, he wrote, I love you, mom. Dad and Christian. And then, unfortunately, the eventual happened. He ran out of air and he drowned. His last message to his family, I love you. The last thing that he wanted them to know as he was leaving this earth, I love you. The last thing that he wanted to make sure, they didn't question, they didn't doubt, they didn't have to wonder, they didn't have to think, uh, did Jason love us, did Jason care for us? He said, I love you. I love you. I love you. You know, God left one last message for you and for me 
before He ascended to heaven. The Lord Jesus Christ left one giant message. It was written not with a knife and an air tank. It was written in red. It was written with His blood. It was written on the cross of Calvary. And you know what the Lord Jesus Christ said? He said, I love you. I love you. These words, they scream to be heard today. Uh, these words, they, they, they're written blood red. I mean, you cannot deny this. God loves you. And God loves me. During this time of uncertainty, during this time of fear, during this time where maybe our emotions are overwhelmed and, and maybe we, we might start to lose sight of, of God's will and God's uh, plan and God's word. And listen, never forget, no matter what happens, no matter how bad it gets, no matter how horrific you may think it is, God loves you. Simple message tonight, simple encouragement from the Word of God. The Lord loves you. Whether you're doubting it or not, He loves you. Whether you know it or not, He loves you. Let's make sure we never forget God loves us. Let's bow together for a prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you tonight. Lord, we are so grateful for the fact that we know beyond any shadow of a doubt you displayed your love for us by coming to earth and dying that gruesome, horrific death. Thank you, Lord, for loving us and not just telling us, but showing us, demonstrating it to us. Lord, we pray now that you would encourage our hearts tonight. Help us, Lord, not to get overwhelmed with the cares of this life and the worries and the fears that we are experiencing, especially during this time, Lord, but, but even during normal times, Lord, we experience worries and fear. Lord, help us to trust in you. Help us to never lose sight of, of your love, your love that you showed, you displayed in no greater way than when you died on Calvary for us. Lord, we love you. Pray you bless your people tonight. In Jesus' name we pray.